How are you doing, buddy? I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay. Considering things could be a lot worse, given how my uh, Father's Day weekend went. Yeah, let's just jump into it. Happy Father's Day! Thank uh, you. Y- yesterday, uh, we record on Mondays and Tuesdays, if people don't know. But I uh, I saw some tweets that looked like an amazing Father's Day experience. Uh, so. For those of you who uh, don't follow me on Twitter, uh, hashtag you're missing out. <laughs> but uh, it's it sometimes you know takes a takes a path a sharp path away from the beaten chess road. And uh, this weekend it was on a on a crazy dirt road. And I, I just have to say that the the three times in my adult life, Mots, when I've had near death experiences might be extreme, but experiences where I was doing something like extreme probably shouldn't have done it are always when i'm hanging out with my friends who don't drink alcohol okay because at a barbecue when you're having a beer with someone the the, the mood tends to get more relaxed at, at barbecues where like i'm at i'm hanging out with people that don't ever have a drink i feel like they're always looking for something super high paced and adrenaline packed to do they got to be like pumped up. They're like, what can we right. do? This like brings it over the top. Right. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm not normally a super big thrill seeker. Like I don't need to almost die to feel like I'm alive. That's not me. But uh, this weekend we, uh, we did this, we did this tricycle race down a hill that is so incredibly steep at the time when you hit kind of the critical moment where if you check out the video, you'll, you'll see I took a pretty nasty flip over spill where I, I somehow do not have a concussion. I hit my head hard on the pavement. No I, helmet, by the way. No, no helmet. helmet. I, I don't know what we were doing. My back my back honestly feels better than it ever has. I feel like somehow this crash like realigned my back, if anything else. So I'm I'm a walking tricycle flipped over miracle. But regardless of, of all that, the the critical the critical moment of this thing, I mean, you're going you're going 20 plus miles an hour. I hope people are clicking on the link in the show notes here and watching this video as I describe it because um because things got wild and wacky and I, I did that a few times. I did do it successfully for those of you wondering. I didn't just crash, but uh but when I did crash, I crashed hard. So that's that's what happened on my Father's Day weekend. When when I'm looking at it and I was watching it, I go, you know, it's it's kind of cool cuz I was like, oh, he's kind of Mario karting on this tricycle and all of a sudden I see like the slow motion iPhone like slow-mo. I was like, "Oh, cool. Like he's like crushing it. Look at this." And then and then it's like, you know, 25 <laughs> second in, I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like and like right into a tree basically. Right. It is it is glorious and I'm glad that you're okay. I'm glad that you survived Father's Day yeah. um of this. Uh, that is a little bit, um, and that is kind of the funny part is, is I don't, I don't drink very often in general. Like, so a lot of times when I'm hanging out with friends, like, it's the same thing. We don't, we may not drink or do anything like that, but we're always thinking like, what else can we do? You know, and something, something wacky. And I know that uh, a lot of people in Seattle during, uh, when it snows here, which is very rare, like the city will shut down and people like we have huge hills here in Seattle. It's crazy. People will like like sled down some of these hills and some of these hills like to get up to Queen Anne Hill is like crazy steep. Like I cannot ride my bike. It's impossible. Like I have to walk and like by the end of it, I am just like panting. It's like I swear it's like a thousand foot elevation game in like point yep. two miles. And yep. people are just going to town on this hill like during snowy season. It's crazy. Um, I didn't get to partake, but I want to. But I feel like yeah. I'll probably kill myself. We do that a lot around here. I mean, where where I live, wait, you know, I have a little off-road vehicle. Sometimes you just tie a sled with some, you know, some rope, some straps, and, you know, put the kids on a sled and pull them around. Um, that can sometimes go terribly wrong as well. We will um, we'll go find some pretty gnarly hills, and, and then the kids will make a jump. And so I think we, 
we get to take advantage of the outdoors where I am, which I love, but this was a, this was taking it a little bit too far. Every one of our wives was mad at us, but like it was that awkward moment where the wives are mad at you, but they can't be that mad because it's Father's Day, right? Yeah. So you're playing the card of of we got away with something kind of stupid and reckless because it's Father's Day, but don't ever make the complaint of trying to complain that you're sore after you did something stupid of your own accord because then they're like, oh, really? Are you sore? So it was a... It was a really fun, dysfunctional thing all around, and we uh, we will not be racing on that hill moving forward without helmets. Period. So. It's probably a good safe safe um, yeah without helmets. I like how it's like just we won't be doing it again without helmets. Right. No. So anyway, that was the weekend. That's what's new with Danny. But uh, what's new with Mots? Obviously, you returned from Norway. So give us the breakdown. How did how did it go visiting the home of of Carl Magnuson? Yes, of Carl Magnuson. He was out in a, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so Carl, he, you know, I got really excited. <laughs> when you say Carl, I'm sorry, I'm cracking. Every time you say so, Carl, I just, I crack up. I'm sorry. So me and Carl, we were hanging out. No, we were, um, so I was in Oslo for a conference. I, I really like Oslo. It's a very pretty city. Uh, it's very, um, quite clean. They have really cool architecture. They have this really cool, um, opera house that you can like literally slants at an angle that it goes, the roof goes into the water and you can climb on the entire roof of it. It's bananas. Um, now I was there for a conference, but whenever I go to any conference, it's a mission to go find coffee, um, wherever I'm at. And there are quite a few places in Oslo that I got to, um, uh, partake, uh, in the coffee situation. And uh, I actually put them on a Google map. So there was there's one called Fuglen, which was very good. Uh, it was cool about some of these coffee shops in Norway is that there are coffee shop in the morning and throughout the night. But starting at like five or six in the afternoon, they're like, we're going to have all these cocktails and like we're just going to become a a bar, but like a classy bar where they actually have coffee themed drinks. Oh, and I had this is called um, there's another place there called uh, Tim. What, I'm going to say it wrong. Tim Wendelby or whatever, but it's like one of the most um, prestigious coffee places, Tim's, I call it Tim's. And they have this uh, drink called the Black Tim, which essentially is like a dark black espresso mixed in with this cocktail, but with like a little bit of the grounds. It was absolutely delightful. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, so I got some really good coffee and I was a little upset because I walked around a lot of Oslo. I like to take it all in. And I thought I was going to be able to go to the Norway chess championship. And I actually thought that I was just going to ask a bunch of, I got to interview a bunch of people from Norway. And the first thing I would ask them was about chess and all this stuff. And we were live streaming it and no one played chess. And I was like, what is, what is going on here? I don't, am I in the wrong country? You are, you are the home of Carl Magnuson. Yeah. I'm like, it shows you even as far as chess has come, you know, there's still, there's still not enough chess played around the world. Yeah. Now, I will say there were some cool things there. I walked around and I'm sure you've seen these before, but in in some of the parks, they have huge outdoor chess boards with those huge pieces. Um, I'm going to put it as a backdrop for our actual show. So you can when you go to uh, blunders.fm, you'll see it, uh, the photo I took. So people were outdoor playing chess like with these huge pieces, which was really cool, um, which I liked. And I was going to go to the Norway Chess Championship, but I found out that it's not in Oslo. It wasn't in Oslo. It was oh. in another city, which was a seven-hour car drive, and I just well, didn't that's... have the time to commit. <laughs> was it in Tromso? No, it started with an S. Oh, I should know that. It's in Stavangard. Uh, yeah, it was in Stavangard. 
yeah, I, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I don't even think about things when I suggest them. I'm like, oh, yeah, Norway. It's all like, you know, five minutes from each other, right? Clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly I was mean. I was being dumb because I know that. I, I Anyway, well, that's too bad. But at least at least the coffee experience was worth it, even even if the tournament wasn't there. It was great. And, and, and I had something really interesting happen to me. And I, I keep seeing this as maybe maybe I'm getting older. I'm not sure. You seem to be traveling uh, quite a bit now recently. So I yeah. got to Oslo and I was destroyed. The time change destroyed me. I couldn't fall asleep. Uh, once I did, I was restless. I was falling asleep like mid afternoon. Oh, no. And by the last day, I was I was aligned right by Friday. I was like, oh, perfect. Going to bed normal hour, woke up normal hour up time to go home. Now I'm home. I can't fall asleep, Danny. I was up last night till three in the morning. I, I was restless all night, flipping and flopping. You were texting me this morning. You're like, are you alive? Are you OK? Right. And I literally woke up at noon like I am just a hot mess right now on the sleep train. I have no idea what's happening. Does this happen that, to you at all? You know what? It, it's I, I hate hearing that because I, I value my sleep as much as the next guy. And I think uh, I think I was just it's obviously so important. We don't have to go on a tangent there. But this reminds me of the first time I went to Russia. So I went to Moscow when I was when I was 15 uh, and it was during the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, the summer of 2002, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, it was hot. There was love in the air. No, I don't know where I'm going. Okay, but um, I I went to Moscow, and the thing about being in in Moscow over the summer is it the sun doesn't set until like I mean I, I want to say it was like north of 10:30, but at least north of 10. Mm, yeah, that's and, how and this it, how Oslo rises, was. Right, and it and it rises at like three, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that, while we were there, we, we visited uh, Leningrad, uh, St. Petersburg, and uh, actually competed in the White Knights tournament. And it's, it's, it's called the White Knights with the fun little pun there on chess because it's a tournament that is played over the, the peak, the peak summertime, right at the end of June, mm. early July, where it's, it's just twilight for two weeks in, in mm. Leningrad. Leningrad is, is that much further north than Moscow to the point where the sun just never goes down for this, you know, for this period over the summer and um, all kinds of crazy partying happens in the street. I wasn't a part of that. I was, you know, I was 15 and, and I was a good boy, believe it or not. Mm -hmm, um, sure. But it was, it was nutty though. I mean, the people were, people just weren't sleeping. They just like play and party and then they, and then they play chess. And so um, coming home from my first, ru first summer in Russia, I didn't sleep right for, I swear, like six months. And I, I didn't want to say, I don't want you to be worried. This isn't going to happen to you. I don't think it's going to take that long. But something, it wasn't just the time zone. It was the change in in the daylight hours, right? Mm -hmm. It was like my body clock was affected deeply because I've traveled for chess tournaments before and done time zones. And okay, you experience some minor jet lag, you get through it. But but this, you know, this messed me up for a while. And I, I was not sleeping well uh, while I was in Russia because of the light. And when I came back, I, I didn't, I slept worse at home for like six months. And I, I remember being so frustrated to a point where I was wondering if I was ever going to sleep right again. And then I, and then I did started sleeping right again. But, um, it, I think it's, I think if anything, it's not even the time zone. It's the, it's the, it's the being that much further north where your mm. body clock is sort of naturally just thrown off because of the light. Yeah. I was, that, that was one thing to definitely point out. Cause when, when, Heather and I went to Taiwan last year. It was, you know, nine, 10 hours away, big time doing change. But like we were very not impacted at all. We we're just like, boom, good to go. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I think last time I went to Oslo two years ago it was the same thing where literally the sun goes down at 1030, but it is still light like outside. Like if we even with the the um, 
the blinds that like are completely blackout or whatever blinds. Uh, I, I mean, stuff was still coming through and literally, right. yeah, like it would still be light till two in the morning and then three, three or four in the morning, the sun comes up again. So I, I think that may be really part of it. I think you may have hit the nail on the, yeah. the head. Ding. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I, 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 I hate hitting nails and I, and I don't like hitting heads. So, um, I'm really sorry about that, but <laughs> it's okay. I, well, now I'm, now I'm just panicked. I'm panicked. Don't be pan- uh, no, you'll get through it, buddy. You know, look it up though. There's, um, the fastest way to get through this is to actually try to go to bed when the sun goes down and to wake up when the sun comes up. I've, mm-hmm. I've read a lot about this because a lot of sleep apnea is, is based on this theory that basically human beings haven't been quite, we haven't evolved enough. I mean, human beings are always evolving, right? But it takes thousands of years before like, you know, usually environmental changes can really affect how we, how we procreate and how our genetics sort of develop, right? Um, And, and one of the theories is that basically human beings haven't evolved enough yet since the invention of light. Now, this is not electricity, but the invention of light as in the ability to stay up past the sun going down. Whether that's initially like fire and then candles or even before fire, it was like people would set up their, 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 uh, the holes in their, in their walls to like reflect light as long as possible and not, and not go down with the sun. And then basically the fastest way to kind of get through sleep struggles is to stay away from technology before you go to bed and to, um, some people say you go camping. You basically, you go into an environment where you can go to sleep with the sun and, and wake up with the sun. To kind and, of force yourself that, back into it. Yeah, and force yourself back into like mm-hmm. a natural light body clock where the light tells your body, hey, it's sleepy time now because there's no light outside and, and you don't use technology or light to artificially extend your day. So anyway, crazy Danny theory, but I, I actually think there's something to that. And so I, I, I read, I've read a lot about that, the, uh, the lack of human evolution catching up with the way our culture has actually changed. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's really interesting. I'm going to have to do some research now because I was really excited because I got home on Sun or Saturday and I stayed up till midnight, right? Because I was like, I had, it's crazy because I left Oslo on Saturday at 2 p.m. I got home in Seattle at 5 p.m. Right. <laughs> like the same day. So it was right. like, the one thing you don't want to do is go to sleep. So I actually stayed up, like showered, stayed up, fell asleep at midnight. And then the next, like I, I just, the next day just like felt like crap and like right. slept in super late and just, I was like, all right, cool. Maybe I'm caught up. Nope. So we'll see how tomorrow goes. We're hoping for a better Tuesday. All right, man. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's open the the door to another thing. We don't, you know, not the happiest topics apparently starting today's podcast because technology is ruining our lives for something that it, it is, it has the power to ruin this show. I mean, let's, let's talk about what's going on here with coffee. It's a, people said that we needed to talk more about coffee. So we're talking more about coffee and this is really interesting because this is a little bit less technology because maybe technology could save our coffee in a way. This is more around science and environment. We all know that there's a thousand. I'm not going to get super political into climate change and all that stuff, but we know it's happening. And and there's things that we can do on a day to day basis and come together to kind of essentially um, help our planet. Our planet, you know, needs some help and coffee needs our help. And without coffee, coffee house blunders cannot exist. I don't know exist. if I can exist without no, coffee. I, I know. So basically it comes full circle. I mean, we <sighs> are saving not just the planet, but this show by saving, by saving the environment and how it's affecting coffee. Yeah. And and this article I just read, it's on the verge, which is interesting because it's a very technology uh, based website and blog. And essentially what has happened here is that Ethiopia, which um, serves as one of the largest coffee producers out there, they are their coffee industry is becoming a victim to climate change and their 
coffee industry is dying, which is super sad to hear about because what's happening is that um, their ideal temperatures are somewhere between 59 and 75 degrees Fahrenheit. This is mild temperature to um, provide. And what's happening is that Ethiopia itself is very slowly becoming warmer and drier, Mm -hmm. um, which means that about nearly half of the area of all of Ethiopia where the coffee is being grown will not be able to sustain the growth of beans over time. What are we this is a report do? that came out, and and this is crazy. This is not good. No, and I mean I don't mean to make it totally selfish, but I, I understand that more than 15 million Ethiopians um, li- make a living off of coffee farming. But regardless of that, I mean this show. What are we going to do? I mean, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, that's super <laughs> important, but like, but I mean, no, I mean we make it a joke about the show, but that's the other thing is it's you know it's really the uh, the way of life down there. It yeah, the, it's really interesting. I think that, yeah, it's it's interesting to even know that they are the world's fifth largest coffee exporter, um, which is which is really interesting to think about. I mean, usually when I get my coffee, it's um, maybe Colombia coffee um, or Ethiopian coffee or, or somewhere. Usually those are the top two, I think, that I actually get um, from time to time when I think about where my coffee comes from. It's usually Colombia or Ethiopia. And I think there's ways that we are looking to move on this. But the problem is that a lot of these countries are um, emerging and um, up and coming countries where it's harder for them to make more progressive changes um, to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. And I was just in Oslo. And funny thing about Oslo and Norway itself is that there's Teslas like everywhere. It's bananas. Like they're all E cars everywhere. It's a very. If it's um, not a Tesla, it's a Prius. It's a Prius. Yeah, they're everywhere. Right. So, I mean, I think it's a change that we all make, but also this isn't the first time that I actually have read about how coffee is dying, which is very sad. Um, I mean, who knows when that coffee bubble will burst, but the thing is that not only are, you know, climate changing having to do with coffee and how it's being grown, but our actual consumption of coffee <laughs> has grown over time. Go figure. So it's actually a good thing for coffee because coffee is is exploding. This market is there. But I think kind of the next step um, that I hope to see is more research going into how do we maintain the actual growth of the coffee beans. I think the industry as a whole needs to start looking at this, just like any industry that, you know, is going to be impacted by changes in the earth or changes in technology. And how can we create technology that is going to save our coffee? Because without coffee, I don't want to live in that world. That is a sad world. Solution is, I mean, because Obviously, regardless of getting into climate change, I mean, even even if uh, steps are made to change uh, the the effect of, of how quickly things are are maybe getting worse in that area, the chances of reversing the uh, some of the effects is like is way far down. People don't really know concrete ways that they could do that. So really, it's more about science and technology rising to the occasion and finding ways to artificially create that that desired temperature. Really, right? It's it's like greenhouse technology, and it's finding ways to keep keep uh, more control over the even if the outside world outside of that little controlled bubble is being affected by global warming then our coffee can survive and live within that artificially controlled thing so i think you and i just figured it out i mean if only the world could just follow our, our advice here right i mean nailed it crushed it don't don't change things for incon to don't don't you dare inconvenience yourself instead find a way to artificially uh, simulate the same experience. <laughs> yeah, you know, this, that's a very good point because I think that there's a lot of other countries too that have problems with like water, like um, clean water. 
And I remember that there's, yeah, there's, there's the steps that you could take to say, yes, we should improve the base water so it is cleaner, but what is the other thing that we can do? Well, we could take that dirty water and we could send it through a process. And how can we make that technology that converts the dirty water to the clean water, drinkable water um, out there? How can we reduce that and make it super cheap? And that's the reverse of thinking of, oh, we need to fix the problem into how do we make amazing technology that will improve everyone's life more instantaneous and then over this 5, 10, 20, 50 year plan. Well, and both have to be done, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. it's like a chicken or the egg thing. You don't have time to think about bigger picture ways to slow down and reverse certain things. So you got to find ways to to adapt. And yep, well, interesting stuff. Kind of sad. I mean, I don't know why. I feel like after we started off with with Danny flipping over the trike, like we've just had two rough topics. Moss isn't sleeping, and if he does, he's going to start having nightmares about the death of coffee. Oh my god! Well, let's change it around because you know, Danny that um, when I'm not drinking copious amounts of coffee, as I am very scared that it's all going to vanish soon, that I am sitting down and slowly improving my chess.com rating up into the solid 800s of Blitz, baby. Boom. Um, Boom. And 900s of the dailies and and taking my tactics. And when I was in Oslo, I knew that chess does matter because there was chess actually spread through the city while maybe not every <laughs> Oslonian um, is I don't know if that's how what they are but Oslonians uh, player chess or playing chess but I know that they are caring about it because they knew the Carl Magnuson and they were excited about about it so what is happening in the world of chess and why does it matter this week Danny well, same with Norway before we can move on from that so uh, in the last podcast it was talked about how Magnus was not actually um on pace to defend his home turf, and he didn't. Aronian, Levon Aronian, uh, the guy. I think we, I think we linked the the video I did where Aronian beat Magnus, but Aronian went on to win the tournament, and um, Magnus came uh, one game away, super mm. close for for the first time in several years, losing his number one world ranking. Oh my goodness! And that's a huge deal because he was, you know, Magnus was on pace for those who. You know, again, you're just getting into chess from this, or even even those who are in the chess community maybe don't know. I mean, Magnus was was on pace. He was striking up conversations between guys like me and my other chess commentators who find things to discuss about whether or not he would break 2,900. Which so the way the Elo system works in chess is you gain points for every win, loss, and draw depending on the rating of your opponent coming in. It's very similar to tennis in this way. So. Mm. Say the algorithm is such that, you know, you come into a game with somebody and you're 200 points higher rated. If you win, you maybe only gain six. If they had beaten you, they would have gained 10. Um, and if you draw as the higher rate opponent, you might lose, lose two. And if they drew you, they might gain three or four. So that's just a very quick exponential, uh, or that, that's kind of how it works. And then just expand that based on the rating bands of the players. Okay. Okay. So. Magnus was playing so well and has played so well in his career that not only is he world champion, as many of you know, but he is he has dominated his peers like nobody else in chess history outside of Bobby Fischer for a very short period of time and Gary Kasparov for a short period of time. Even though Kasparov maintained the world number one ranking for 20 years, he he was never he was never close to to the thresholds that Magnus did, where Magnus was 28, 80 plus and on his way to uh, to do that, to gain rating points at that level, you have to imagine that every single draw against every single peer that he has at these big events is going to lose him rating points. So it means that he was on a, you know, he was winning so many games to even continue to climb at that level and approach 
breaking through the 2,900 rating, which seems to be just where things have been capped. Nobody can ever be that good. I mean, he would have to win so many games in a row. Anyway, so the point is, Magnus was on that kind of trajectory, and now he's fallen back down where I think the live ratings, we'll put a link here to 2700chess.com for those of you who are wondering, a uh, great site that kind of keeps things updated uh, instantly based on all these tournaments these guys are playing. It has a live rating. Magnus's live rating is now as close to the number two in the world as it's, as it's been in years, and if he had lost a another game in Norway and Kromnik, who's number two, had won, it, we could have had a, a changing of who the world number one is for the first time in, again, I don't know exactly, but I think it's eight plus years he's been number one. Oh, wow, um, yeah. I'm looking here and I'm looking, yeah, he's at currently 2822.3 and Kromnik is at 2811.5. Right. Yes. Magnus in the top, I'm going, I mean, in the top, 48 he has the largest drop percentage of negative nearly 10 points mm-hmm. um that's crazy yeah so I mean, Aronian right up 15 just based off that win obviously but and um second yeah third ooh, wow there's a lot of young players in here a lot of young players yeah no wow. a lot of u.s players there right yes. uh wesley so fabiano caruana hikaru nakamura so it's it's a good time for chess and and maybe the competitive balance of all these guys coming closer together will inspire Magnus to maybe pick it up a little bit. But um, I, I think that Magnus is still clearly the best player in the world. I would take him in a match over anybody else in the top 10, just to be clear. I think before people uh, jump the shark on Magnus Carlsen, hold, hold on to your Fonzie. <laughs> LOL, happy <laughs> days reference. Um, but uh, but he, he isn't playing well. And, and I think it's hard sometimes to play well on your in your home country and and i think just the emotional and psychological stress sometimes from playing at home is actually more difficult than you know the 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 habits you get into when you're on the road you're in a hotel you've done this a million times you get yourself sort of in the in the game mode whereas i think sometimes from your hometown it changes your rhythm a little bit so i'm going to make a little bit of an excuse for him but keep an eye on that i mean i mean the world is is the the world's top 10 players are separated by less rating points than they have been in a very very long time especially the top five so so, um, so that's kind of cool. That kind of makes chess matter, makes people on their toes. Uh, the other thing that's going on is, is we just announced our, 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 the changes we made for the Pro Chess League. Um, it was the big thing we did last year. It's eSports for chess, teams from around the world. Mm-hmm. Magnus played, Wesley Sub, all, all the best chess players in the world played. But uh, we, we decided to cut the teams from 48 global teams to, uh, to 32 from the perspective that it, I think it'll just allow us to increase the quality of play and, and, and also the quality of the, the fans' experience following it when um, there were just too many teams last year. And so we're kind of really excited about about getting things going and getting the world pumped again for the for the Pro Chess League, which it doesn't start again till January of 2018, but it's that big of a deal. we got to start planning and organizing and getting a lot of stuff going now. So, And are these all going to be um, live-streamed again? I see there's the Norway yeah, yeah. Gnomes, the Stockholm Snowballs, the... Yeah, uh, we got to put a link Lions. to this. Yeah. For those who want to check into what the Pro Chess League is, it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's really been a game changer, and it's something that I think has the potential to change the landscape of chess being thought of as a individual. Do I know enough about it to even care? From like, oh, I know nothing about it, but I got to root for my team. You're you're mm-hmm. darn right. Go go uh, go snowballs. Go Norway gnomes. Right. Um, it was it, it it got so many people excited last year. We were shocked about the the initial success, even though we believe in league play and and on chess.com, we always kind of wanted to do something like this, but it really has been great. So ton of fun it, uh, check it out go to the link and check it out but that's going to be our, our baby if you hear me mention that again over the next year or so as we get ready that's something that we're really excited about doing even even better with next year better broadcasts uh more money bigger prizes 
uh, less teams, but higher quality of play and, yeah. and an easier experience for the fans to follow per division and just all kinds of stuff. And that kind of seems to align it a little bit more to what maybe other tournament styles of play, whether it's uh, basketball or soccer, everything kind of like that number, like in the th- like 16, 32, for some reason, those really stand out to me as good right. numbers that I can comprehend in my mind a little bit. Like we think March Madness, you know? Um, right. So I think that's exciting to me because I remember last year when I just tuned in and I would go to Twitch, and I was like, all of a sudden there's like chess on the homepage and right. there's you know, tens of thousands of, of people. Watch, I mean, just it was crazy to, to kind of watch day in, day out, which was really super kind of fun to watch. And I think it it's a little bit different to me. It's kind of like when uh, FIFA World Cup is happening, right? Is, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think the World Cup is or or even the Euro, the, the premier mm-hmm. Euro, Euro, European soccer league, the premier league. I think those are maybe the most accurate comparisons too, in terms of the yeah. way we are kind of setting up the divisions and, and, uh, um, scoring teams and how they move on and qualify for the playoffs. And we, we, we've tried to set up a structure really creatively that allows basically at, it allows it so that at some point after the, the initial regular season games, no matter what, every team will always have a chance that if they start winning, they will always be in control of their own destiny. Meaning mm-hmm. somebody will never be eliminated without having a chance to make, make it happen on the board which was something we really cared about. We didn't want there to be a standings way that someone gets eliminated from playoff contention so then their last two weeks uh, of match play just don't matter. Um, so, yes, if you if you do poorly to start, you know, you have to win more games to continue to, to move on, but nobody will ever be eliminated uh, without losing a match. Got it. So, which is really kind of cool, and I'm, I'm proud of that because I think it just makes it more exciting. And, and it's, uh, you know, you don't get eliminated because you start off slow, picked it up, but your points were already so... You know, like, you know, like in baseball, right? I mean, this is such a long season. Hashtag, oh my gosh, when are they going to change this? Baseball needs to not be 162 games like yeah. 20 years ago. You know, they wonder why all the best players now die out in like August and just can't keep it up. Well, it's because people have been on drugs in baseball since the 30s. You know, it, it, before it was steroids, it was it was cocaine and lead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean... Seriously, like that's why the best like baseball is just way too long. And you know what happens when like the magic number kicks in? They call it the magic number where like a team is just eliminated regardless of how they do in their mm. last 20 games. Yeah. And yeah. and the same with basketball. And, but why do they do it? Because there's money. And, you know, they're, yeah. the, the owners don't want to give up more games because every every game they have is a chance to get some dollars from some fans in the seats. But I I think that the reason the NFL is so successful is because in the end, like you have to try to create, I know people can get eliminated in the NFL too, but I think that it creates a field where immediately in the pro chess league, every week matters. And, and in our situation, uh, no matter how bad a team starts at some point, when that halfway point is reached, you're, you're kind of put into a playoffs before the playoffs. And you realize like, if you keep winning, you know, you will never be eliminated kind of thing. Yeah. I like to say that, that baseball should be about half the season and right. It's also about five innings too long. Like, can I get a fourth inning stretch? You know, and like, yeah, no, exactly. can I get a can I get a every half inning stretch? I mean, you know, and let's let's take a half an hour every time. No more Garcia Parra wants to adjust his gloves. You know, I mean, <laughs> exactly. That's why I love soccer, actually, because I watch soccer and I know what I'm getting myself into. It's two hours because it's 90 minutes. The clock doesn't stop and there's a 15 minute break in the middle. So I go down to the stadium two hours later. I'm done. Like, you know, right. (laughs) The worst is like, oh, there's a there's a kickoff because we're in some tournament play. Oh, no, I got like, you know, um, that's kind of crazy. But then you're if it's tournament play, you're like, all right, I'm going to stay till whatever. But that's what I kind of like about it. Cool. Uh, All right. So. 
Chess always mattering every single week because I love it, you love it, and I love to ask you questions because you're an international master. I know nothing about chess, and I like to just pick your brain a little bit more for the people maybe new to chess. You know more about chess than you thought. I mean, you're you know you're eight you're eight hundred plus now, buddy. You're pushing the nine nine. You know what I like to say is as long as you're a part of the triple digit club, (laughs) which means you haven't broken a thousand yet. That didn't mean that to sound bad. But as long as you're part of the triple digit club, all right, that means you're still a beginner and you're still just working super hard to get over those just initial things you need to know. Mm-hmm. So you ask away. I mean, just anything you need. At this point, your growth can still be very exponential. Like at some point, you can figure things out and you can jump very quickly from like 800 to 1100. You know, yeah. you're at a stage where there's still so much that that sponge needs to soak up. That, you know, you don't, you know, don't be surprised if you start making some big leaps and bounds here and just like gaining lots of rating points. Yeah, I've been I've been watching some of the analysis like of my post games when I lose trying to learn and see what the computer's telling me. But what I actually had the most difficulty with is that how I play chess is I'm having a hard time um, when I play chess because I seem to take too long. Now, daily chess is fine because I can sit down and analyze as much as I want. But I kind of wanted to get a recommendation from the mastermind, you know, from the inside scoop of chess.com. If someone is new coming to chess.com, maybe has played a little bit of chess in the past, but like, see, when I play this blitz chess, or I think it's blitz, I don't, I just want to play a new game. I get a little bit stressed out and I don't really want to, I think that chess, I don't want to be super stressed out about. I want to take my time, but I don't know if I, what I should be doing, what are the recommendations, five minutes, 10 minutes, like what, where should people start? I guess, you know, that's what I should have asked a month ago. It's, um, the short answer is in the end, as long as you're loving it and enjoying it, it doesn't really matter. At a certain point, you will, you will learn to appreciate all of the different formats and time controls. But the, the long, the, the, the more detailed answer is, yeah, I mean, I think that Daily chess is, is, is probably a better place to start right now, especially if you really take the time to dive into a game, consider your thoughts and, and, and follow some of the, the critical thinking pieces of advice from guys like me. And where you learn that like every move, you should try to come up with two or three options, no matter what, even if you think the option's obvious. That's like a basic mm-hmm. candidate moves thing to start forcing your brain to expand a little bit. Um, you know, you, you should, you can even use the resources that are legal in daily chess games, which is in the opening. You can, you can click on your game and go look at the opening and try to follow things that have been played previously during the game. Like, you don't even have to just look it up afterwards and try to see where you went wrong. You can mm-hmm. improve your level of play during the game and improve your knowledge as well. But, it, but in the end, Blitz, Blitz is, and Blitz and just faster time controls, not even if it's just five or 10 minutes, but if you played 15 minutes per side or 25 minutes or whatever, if you have the time to commit an hour, committing an hour to playing a game like that, or even two or three 10 minute games is a good idea because there are certain things in your thinking process that won't get better until they're under a little bit of pressure, Mm -hmm. um, until they need to kind of speed up a little bit. Um, I, I would say right now, don't play anything faster than 10 minutes per side. Like stay away, stay away from, unless you're, okay, if you're traveling and you're on a mobile and you've got five minutes, then by all means, go play a couple super fast games and sure. just have a ball. Mm-hmm. But if you're actually like, Hey, I want to play chess for an hour. Like I got an hour. I want to play some chess. Then, then I would, um, I would say do a few 10 minute games or even one or two slightly longer ones. And, um, every game at the end of the game, you want to just establish two things. One, 
what was my first mistake? Like, if I go to chess.com slash openings and look up this game, where did I first play a move that is nowhere on the radar of this ECO, of the Encyclopedia of Chess Openings? And, and, and establish that, okay, this is what I did, and this is what, these were the options that have been played previously. Spend, a, spend five minutes kind of looking at those options. Maybe go over a few moves deeply into it. You don't even have to expect anything more concretely to be established out of that, but just establish, okay, I took the time to learn. I played X move on move seven. It has never been played before. It's not very good. These are what I would do next time. Okay, note right. to self done. And the last thing you want to do is, is you want to establish what the critical mistake was that lost the game. Like what was mm-hmm. the final mistake, either by you or your opponent. You just kind of want to know. Yeah. Because what will happen over time is you'll start to see patterns. Like, oh, like I'm constantly making the wrong trade or I'm constantly making... Um, or, or my, my final blunder is always coming because I'm just under time pressure. So I, I need to speed up earlier when it doesn't seem like it, but I need more time or I'm constantly yeah. making mistakes in the end game because I just don't feel comfortable when the queens come off the board. Like you can't establish patterns and, and pattern recognition is the ultimate step to improving things, right? It, until you at least try to establish like at what stage of the game your critical mistake is happening. Got it. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's actually, I, I, and I like that. And I did that in the analysis too. And it told me this was like your, your blunder or what I liked was, um, I was going through the analysis after the game and it said, you missed a move that you could have won the game. And I was like, right. what? Cause I knew, like, I wouldn't have even seen that. Right. And I was just like, that was mind blowing. So I think that's kind of my new thing is to, to, to try to analyze that. Cause I'm just trying to get better. Right. I'm trying to know the openings, how to play. But I also, I like that recommendation. I think I jumped in and started playing five minutes and I felt just super stressed out because I didn't know my brain wasn't thinking that fast. Right. And can you explain to me really quick, when I go to live chess, I see, I understand 30 minute, 10 minute, five minute, three minute, one minute. What is this 15, 10, five, five, three, two, two, one? Okay, so the the second number represents an increment. So mm-hmm. that means every move you make, you get a little bit more time added back onto the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually, that's what I would really recommend, honestly. I think that if you could find... Um, I'm going to share. I'm going to share a link in the show notes here to an article written uh, by Eric recently, our CEO. We just we just pulled some database information, and we were kind of interested to see. Oh, like these are the time controls that are being played the most often by our members, kind of ranking them, right? <laughs> so as long as you can search a game and you feel like you get a game pretty quickly, and you're not searching. The reason I say that is because if you went in and said, "Oh, I'm going to take Danny's advice and play 45, 45, 45 minutes with a 45 second increment," well, that's so slow and maybe so awkward that if nobody else is looking for a game in that time control, you're not going to get a game. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So, so let me share that article here, and you you can check it out. I I don't have it right in front of me, but um, I think that if you can play an increment, that just it helps the the stress level so much because it makes you feel like if I need to take some time, I will, and when and if I can get a good position. As long as I play some quick moves down the road, I'm going to get some time back. So um, a very, very popular, like the World Blitz Championship time control is 3-2. So it's three minutes per side to start, plus a two-second increment per move. So those guys are playing fast enough where if they got into like a, a position where they only had a few seconds on the clock, if they make moves fast enough, they can add some time back up. Um, so that's the that's what that is. Awesome. That makes sense. Awesome. The, and the I also want to, for example, is 15 minutes plus two. It's 15 minutes to start per player plus a two second increment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you do that just to prevent 
total disasters where like if someone gets is winning we always want the chess to decide it if possible not the clock even though the clock is a part of the game got it so but at least what you're telling people is look it's a fast game we know that certainly people are going to make mistakes under time pressure but if you get a winning position with that two seconds technically you always have the time to still win the game you know because good players can play moves that fast Hmm. if the position is easily winning got it this makes sense cool i'm going to take these things go back i also want to congratulate you on breaking 32-bit integers um, on <laughs> chess.com and the chess.com app. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about that last week. Uh, it was it was hilarious. Everyone, you got to check out this link here because you know what's awesome is we have gotten so much press from <laughs> from the absolute blunder of um, just completely. You know, it's one of those things where. Um, these are mistakes that have been made before, and certainly they are preventable. Like, no excuses on our part. Obviously, we could have anticipated it. But Eric wrote an awesome, an awesome article. It had a really funny statement just kind of saying, you know, maybe the lesson in the end is that if you dream, dream big, and, and don't don't let things like this catch up with you. But um, this is uh, this has been a really funny experience. For those who didn't know, we, we crashed all of our iOS and uh, our, our ga- total games played when it crossed whatever that number is, 2 billion and X amount of whatever, right? And it's, it, uh, um, it's 2 to the 31st, which is 2,147,483,647, which is a number that every developer should have memorized. Right, and you just, obviously you do, because you just quoted it. And so we... Um, we uh we broke a lot of people's experiences. People were really upset, and then uh, it, it took us a little bit to find it. Like, what's going on? Is a server crash? This and that, and then f- you know finally we figured it out, and it was it was quite the quite the stressful day. So yes, but it's all fixed. You're good to go. You can continue to play chess on uh, everywhere on the website on there. Cong- I mean, that's crazy. That's an awesome two billion huge accomplishment of of games played. Um, people love it. People seem to like this chess thing. Yeah. You know so, what they do, and uh, now that with games are increasing more and more played every day, that we're we're about you know we've jumped from just like a year ago we were like barely at like one point two million. Now we're like crossing two million games played per day. So it's just like um, sometimes you just hit these hit these marks where like suddenly people are just playing a lot more chess games. And I mean, I'll go to the site right now. I mean, today we had one million nine hundred fifty four thousand nine hundred forty nine games played. That's you know? bananas. Um, a lot of that is blitz and people playing on a million different devices. Some of them are daily chess games and it's fun, man. Well, now people know how to get started, what options to pick. I know what I'm going to do now because now I didn't really invest. I was scared to pick those options, but now I'm not scared to pick those options. I'm going to go definitely check those out. Well, Danny, this as always has been a, a delightful part of my Monday and the start off of my week. I just, I feel, even though I'm not sleeping, I feel a thousand times better just for um, having this little conversation and, and uh, getting you know to what? connect to one of my That's best awesome. friends. I, I really, I, I feel bad. I feel like the end of our, our show almost sounds like a chess.com infomercial, which is like so not our intention at all. This is like, when we first started this, this was just totally authentic. Mots is becoming obsessed with chess, but I started well, thinking... Uh, you know, we're, we're talking all about chess.com's games and stuff. So anyway. I can't, I can't I, help myself. It's the center. It's the epicenter. Heather always looks at me. She's like, what do you chess.com? Jeez. <laughs> She's like, by the way, that reminds me, I got to share some videos, like uh, some really inappropriate uh, video, but we did a, we did a contest with our members uh, to create a viral video a few years ago and just a thousand bucks to somebody who makes a really funny YouTube video, not even a viral video, just make a funny video on YouTube. And we're going to choose one that we like. Um, one was legendary. It was a rap song, a parody of 50 cents in, into club, uh, for, you know, into, into club, but about the chess club, right? <laughs> um, so I got, I'll share a link to that in the show notes. You're going to love that. It's really creative lyrics. 
uh, super awesome, hilarious stuff. But um, the the other video that was done is a video of a guy who his his let's just say his his girl is wanting him to come into the bedroom now, and she's. Uh, she even appears on camera at one point. We talked to the guy later. He said he, like, his friend is married to, like, a Swedish supermodel. And that's who we got to be in it. So, like, she's, like, this gorgeous woman trying to get him. And you don't see what he's doing. But then eventually she goes over and looks at what he's doing. And then he pretends to be looking at something that's not chess to kind of get him ready. And then <laughs> she leaves and he goes back to chess.com and keeps playing. <laughs> so it was, I, I, I'm being as PG as possible, but, um, it is, it is an adult commercial. And we actually asked them to make one that didn't show anything, um, from the initial version because we're a very family friendly site. But it was, it was, su- it was a very, very smart, just hilarious video. And, uh, Anyway, so chesses, chesses. Some some men have mistresses. Some people have chess as their mistress. So there you go. Lovely. Well, all right, Dan. I'm gonna go check out these videos now. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed this week's uh, coffee house blunders. You can, of course, find us everywhere on the internet at Daniel Ranch at James Montemagna. You can find all of the goodness of blunders at blunders.fm and we would love it if you happen to be using maybe like an ios device or something like that where you're playing some chess uh, to go into the actual uh, podcast app and give us a rating we've had a few ratings and we love it we love seeing uh, what everyone's thinking you can always go to blunders.fm and send us an email we love hearing from our amazing listeners and uh, until next week danny i mean i miss you i love you please stop crashing into trees (laughs) you're a pro you're a pro peace everybody